Would you pray with me as we get ready to open God's Word? Father God, as we do every Sunday, and hopefully every time that we open your Word, God, I pray that your Spirit would do something amazing in this place. In this place where each one of us is limited to our own understanding of what we're talking about. The God that we often think about. The God that we pray to, hopefully on a daily or multiple times throughout the day basis. God, we are so limited in our ability to understand you. And yet when we read of your word, we read of these miraculous things that you do in the life and in the midst of your people. And then we experience a world that seems that you are gone. That you are not worried about the things that we endure. That you are not worried about the way that we treat one another. And God, it doesn't seem to make sense. But yet we still choose to follow you out of faith. So God, we ask this morning that your spirit would be with us here in this place. That you would speak to our hearts, God. That you would speak beyond our ability to understand and to know. That you would captivate our abilities to listen, to hear you. And God, to respond by allowing you to change us into who You have called us to be through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we ask all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And we ask, holy God, that you would guide us on a path that leads to everlasting life. And we pray all this in the name of our Jesus. Amen. Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 4 says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and that you would come down, Lord that the mountains would tremble before you. And as fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, that you would come down and make your name known to the enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. And since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. So every year when we begin an Advent series, we try to find somewhere in Scripture where we can talk about a prophet who is foretelling the forcoming Messiah. And it seems like for the last few years, we've come back to this book of Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophet who told the nation of Israel of the ways that they had fallen short of following their God while they looked like God's people to themselves To the God that they claimed to represent, they had become as strangers. And here in this passage of Isaiah 64, we see a people that are crying out for God to do something because the situation that they are enduring has become untenable. The things that they are facing in everyday life are becoming more than their abilities to handle. And their faith in their understanding of this God that they proclaim is beginning to get thinner and thinner. 
It's becoming more cultural than it is personal. It's becoming something that is observed strictly in front of other people with like minds than it is within the depths of their hearts. And in the 64th chapter of Isaiah, you can guess that he's already said a few things to Israel. And he's already presented a few things to God. But in this passage of scripture, what we see is the heart of God's people who has finally come back to the place where God has hoped that they would be all along. The the author, Isaiah, uses the words, rend the heavens. When we think of rending something, it's a word that we don't usually use in everyday language now, but rending something would mean to tear something either in disgust or in brokenness. You know, in the Old Testament, when it said that kings would tear their garments and would sit in a pile of ashes and they would repent of the wrongs that they had done or they would lament to God for the things that they had done. Here, the people Israel are crying out to God They're saying, God, where are you in the midst of what is happening to us as your people? Why are you letting these things happen to the people that you have called yours? Some of them had turned to God in anger and they say, how can you say that you're a God when you aren't going through the same things that I am? How can I trust you as a God who loves me and cares about me while you're in heaven where everything is perfect And you've left me here on this earth to endure all of these things. Who are you to tell me how I should be? If it's one of your people, it's not working out. So why should I trust you? Why should I follow you? Why should I carry your name? Do these arguments sound familiar? That's what we hear all the time. People saying when they don't want to confess when they don't want to believe that God is the creator and the sustainer. But just before this chapter in Isaiah, we see something very important. We see another interaction that Israel has with God in the 63rd chapter of Isaiah. Israel's asking some different questions. Once Isaiah has presented the people with the list of transgressions and the things that they had done wrong, they begin to ask themselves this question. How did we get so far away? God, how did we get so far away from you that we lost our identity as your people? You see, their ritualistic following of God didn't present to God the true offering that God desired. Their cultural following of their creator did not cause them to give God the very best that they had. God was not the focus of their hearts. God was not the concern of their intentions and God was not the purpose by which they carried out their lives. The things of God were things that were done because they were expected to do it. And now they had found themselves as a people in a place where they were displaced, where they were broken, where you could say they were lost. But how could God's people be lost? How could God's people 
be away from the one that they claimed to know. And so the prophet Isaiah shared with them that their brokenness, that their situation, that the things that they were enduring was because of the choices that they had made to let other things of lesser value become more important, to let goals that God had said were not for their good become the things that they pursued. And so now the people were broken and they said, God, we need you to do something big. You remember back in the day when Elijah the prophet was preaching and you would come down and mountains would shake and you would do amazing things that people could see. God, we need that. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I'll be honest with you. That's one I've prayed a lot this last year. God, I need to see you do something big. I even tried to tape over it with that. I believe help me in my unbelief. We want to see God do something amazing. We want to see fire come down from heaven. We want to see mountains shake. We want to see things move out of the way in order to prove that our God is real. And so this cry of Israel mimics a lot of how we feel in our hearts in the way that we approach God in our prayers, that he would come down and cause these great and miraculous things to happen. And then the next line, it says, you did awesome things that we did not expect. You see, every time that God ever moved, he did so when the people weren't expecting it. He did amazing, miraculous things when the people weren't ready for it. But one thing that was in place when God did these amazing things is that the people's hearts were where they were supposed to be. And so Isaiah is telling the people that they need to contemplate on the way that God used to act versus on the way that they feel God is acting now. And perhaps for a moment they need to stop and to contemplate who this God is and realize that when God acts, he does so because his people are ready for it. They're prepared for it. They are expecting it to move. The reality of it is, is that most of us don't live expecting God to do something. We pray like crazy. We hope that he does, but in reality, we just hang on to an empty hope. And we don't expect it and we don't prepare for it. You ever heard that saying that if you want it to rain, take a rain jacket? You prepare for rain, take a rain jacket. That's what faith in God is. It is that ordering of our lives in order that God might do the work that we are wanting to see done. If you want God to start a revival, be the one that starts talking. If you want God to change your community, be the one that puts their hands to work. The church wastes a lot of opportunities sitting back praying. And I know that sounds bad. But that's a lazy faith. And that's what Isaiah was approaching here with the nation of Israel. People had lost their identity in a God of power because they sat back and they begged 
And they lamented in their situation, yet they never lived expecting God to do something. And they said, God, when you moved, you did so in ways that we didn't expect. And oh, how the mountains trembled. Do you live your faith expecting mountains to tremble or to make it through a family holiday? Do you live your faith expecting God to move in big ways or to keep you from getting a ticket? So Isaiah told the people to contemplate. And the people realized what God had been telling them throughout their entire history. Y'all, Israel was made up of some dumb people. The problem is, is that we as the church are repeating the same things that they have done. We do so with joy because it's easy. It's easy to sit back and pray and not do the things that God has told us to do. But God told them their entire story. He is different from other gods because he has the ability to change history. He has the ability to do things that we cannot do on our own. But yet there's something within each one of us that tends to keep God from doing the things that he so desperately wants to do within us. We pursue things of ourself. We want to hold on to God, but yet we want to live like the rest of the world. We want to have the things that the world has. We want to define ourselves the way that the world defines self. And that is not the way that God has called his people to live. So here the people are confessing their sin to God. They're listing out the ways that they had turned from God as the one who is guiding them. They realized that they were unclean, that they had become a religious people, but they were not a righteous people. All the acts of worship that they had done brought no reward because it was empty. And their hearts were not doing it, focusing on God. They were doing it so that people would approve of them. And so the best that they had were just as filthy cleaning rags. So they were no longer called by God's name. That is the worst thing that we could ever endure. To lose our identity in God. So God had hidden his faith. Or he had withdrawn his presence. And I know that sounds completely devoid of a God that we talk about who loves us, who would send a son to die for us. But y'all, the reality of it is, is that God is not going to be where he's not really wanted. God's not going to influence our finances if we don't want him in our checkbook. God's not going to influence our decisions if we don't first consult him. God is never going to require you to do something that you don't want to do. That's why it's called an invitation instead of a mandate. And people now talk about this relationship with God as, as though it's some third option that you can either live the way that you want to live and not regard God and everything's going to be fine and you're going to go however you want to, or you can hear the message of God and reject it. And if you reject it, you're going to go to hell. And if you accept it, you're going to live forever. But the reality of it is, is that we're already going one place. It's already been decided. Everybody is already set to go that way. But God invited us because God heard our cries. 
And when the people of Israel had humbled themselves and they came to God and they confessed themselves, they acknowledged that a long, long time ago, God made covenants with his people and that he would be their God and that they would be his people and they would have his protections and that if they would understand that who he is calling them to be is for their best good, then he would be the one that would fight their battles and he would do the dirty work that life says is necessary. And here the prophet Isaiah is saying that God needs to do something in you that you cannot do, something that is necessary. Israel had gotten to a point where they could not save themselves. They could not turn the ship around on their own. They needed God to step into their story to become the central piece of who they were as a people, of who they were as individuals. And so we enter into this Advent season and we see something that is different than what the world tells us that we are to look for. The world tells us to stay on top of things, to do this, to make sure that we are in charge of everything, that we're ahead of the game. But the season of Advent, the season of preparation, tells us to wait, to slow down for just a minute, to pull back from the world, to look at the story of Isaiah the prophet and ask ourselves the question, are we as the church losing our identity as God's people? Are we as cultural Bible Belt Christians losing our identity with the God who created us, who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us? Are we becoming so busy being religious that we're forgetting that God called us into community? The artwork for this series, as you can see, is as Jeremy said, it is very bland. It's just darkness. It's gloom. The reality of it is, is that's where most of us are trying to live our faith. We're trying to say that we have faith, that we believe, that we trust God. But in reality, we look at everything around us. The news, our church building, the stock markets. And we wonder, is God really real? Is God even listening? Does God even care? And so like the nation of Israel, perhaps it's time that we stop, that we stop with all the busyness, that we stop with all the speaking, that maybe perhaps we stop with the talking in our prayers. And maybe we listen we read God's word and instead of trying to explain it away so that we can be politically correct or that we can be culturally relevant, maybe we stop and we listen to what God is saying and why God is saying it. And if we just shut up and quit putting our identity over the identity that God says we are to have as his people, maybe we can hear God say something that we need to hear to remind us that it's not our successes that save us, 
That it's not our doing that leads us to redemption. That it is not our self-worth or our self-esteem that makes us right with God. But it is what God is wanting to do in us and through us if we would only let him. And so in the season of Advent, what we see is God beginning a new covenant with people. Not one based off what he tells them through a prophet Not one based on a God who is disconnected, who lays out a list of rules and laws for people to follow that they might be righteous. But a God who comes down in the form that was very unexpected. Not a king who conquered, but a baby who cried. A helpless baby at the mercy of the world with no authority whatsoever who would endure cold and hot and sickness and sadness and fear and anxiety and worry and threats and hope and broken dreams, lost friends, ridicule, suffering, and death. All the things that you and I would experience as human humanity God developed a new covenant. He established a new covenant based on the human condition. Where when we cry out to God and say, you don't know what I'm going through, he could say, oh, yes, I do. When we say, God, you don't know how hard this is, he said, oh, yeah, I get it. When we say, God, I don't think I can do this. He says, oh, yeah, you can So Advent tells us to stop for a minute. And instead of crying out to God and letting God know all the things that we see going wrong in the world and things not going our way, God says to stop and to see all the things that he is doing in our midst. That in a few short days, We're celebrating the birth of a Messiah, the coming of a deliverer, the invitation to a covenant where God does all the dirty work on our behalf, where God invites us to peace, to hope, to freedom, to joy where he invites us to live abundantly beyond the scenarios that we are facing, where he invites us to experience life more than the things that the world says tears us down, to live free from chaos. But like Israel, the idea that God is silent, it sounds so modern. The church is grasping to keep people coming back. Pastors are are struggling to try and get people to understand the importance of giving, the importance of sharing your faith, the importance of teaching the word of God to one another. And it is because our faith has gotten shallow. And it's because our prayers to God are more about, God, this is what I need right now from you, than it is remembering what God is already doing And what God has already done. 
So instead of saying that God is silent, perhaps it's time that we become silent. That we quit presenting our spiritual shopping list to God and we start listening to what God is saying. Instead of complaining about the world that we are living in, we realize that we have the message that can lead people to life. And we realize that so many people refuse to believe in God because they haven't seen him do anything lately because the church isn't doing anything. You say, well, Matt, we, we do missions. We've handed out hot dogs. We've helped people clean up after the tornado. That just means you're a decent human. You have the message of eternal life. You have a message of hope beyond the grave You have the only thing worth knowing in human history. But instead, we become a people who have lost our identity. Who expect God to answer every beck and call. Who make church about the things that we want and the way that we want things to go. And in reality, we're worshiping ourselves and we're not worshiping God. I said it. Have it. Listen to it. We don't come to this place to be worshipped. We don't come to this place to worship ourselves. We don't worship the music. We don't worship the message. We don't worship the chairs, the furniture. We don't worship the comfort. Because sometimes those are the very things that are keeping us from hearing the God that we are here to represent and to love. But for some reason, when you and I have a bad day, a bad week, or a singular event, we decide that God must be elsewhere, or God's forgotten about us, or God has bigger things. We want to see things. We want to see God move. But yet we forget that he calls us to follow in faith. Remember when Jesus said, you are blessed because you see and you believe. But oh, how much more blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. Y'all, the church has a job to do. We can't continue living in the chaos of the world and crying out to God when things aren't going our way and getting upset with God when things aren't going the way that we want and trying to find some reason for why our life is not going the way that we think it should go and getting upset with God. The reality of it is, is we need to shut up. We need to listen. Listen to what God has said. Listen to what God is saying. He calls us to follow in belief and obedience. And we struggle with obedience. We struggle with it in our personal lives. We struggle with it as a church. So we begin this Advent season hearing the message of Israel. To be reminded that we were people lost in sin. That sin still consumes us from time to time. But in Jesus Christ, we had been given a salvation that was to rewrite our history. And Isaiah invited Israel to confess their sins. And to realize that God was ready for action. Just like God is now, God is ready to do something big. 
God is ready to do something amazing if we would quit talking and we would start following. If we would quit demanding and start trusting. If we would start listening and start doing. Would you pray with me? God, sometimes we think you are silent. And if we're going to be honest, no matter how much time we spend in your word, we have a hard time understanding the way that you work. We see how much you've done for your people throughout the pages of Scripture. And many of us can remember the day that we were saved and we can remember our baptism And God, we could probably even recall times that you pulled us out of disastrous, dangerous situations. But God, it seems to be now that we as a church, we as a people, when we pray, we only hear quietness. We don't hear a response from you. We don't hear you saying anything back. And each day our list of sorrows grows and the list of worries and the list of things that make us unhappy in our faith grows. And we see the news and we hear people talking and we just don't know where you are at. God, as we begin Advent, help us to shut up. Help us to realize that the reason we often don't hear you is because in reality we don't want to. We don't want you to point out the things in us that are not of you. We don't want you to show us the way that the way that we have identified ourselves does not identify us in you. God, lead us to confess our sin. To realize that in our selfishness and our arrogance, we have failed you in so many ways. And we failed the world that you have called us to go in and to be the light in the darkness. Help us to repent of our sins to where we would approach you humbly. And that we would quit trying to follow you in the world at the same time. Forgive us. Renew us this Advent season as you break into the silence and you save us as we are your people and you are our God. And we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.